0: Get to the bottom of what's truly healthy in this crazy, complex world. So you can take back what is rightfully yours. Welcome to the Health Sovereign Podcast. This is your host, Logan Christopher. Hello and welcome. I'm Logan Christopher and here with my good friend, Steve Young. Steve Young is an amazing, amazing person. I think this is saying a lot, if I had a health problem, I would want Steve in my corner. Like I know a lot of health, but I would consider him as sitting on that Board of Advisors. And furthermore, he surrounds himself with other incredible health thinking people that would sit on his Board of Advisors as well. So we're going to be talking about some deep subjects. The First thing we're going into is the root causes of health and disease. So much of healthcare is focused on symptoms or really just not getting to the root. Yet, if we get to the root, we can actually solve things. So it's a deep subject and it should get more airplay than it does across many different places. That's what we're diving into at the start of this. So welcome, Steve.
1: Yes, thank you. I'm excited to discuss this because I feel like there's such a a need for everyone to not only understand what's really happening, but a need for, and I I rarely use the need word, but in this case, I feel like it's necessary, a need for people to take individual action to really steer this
0: ship a different direction. Right. So the whole purpose with health sovereignty, I, I know this is something you've done, kind of looked at all the big systems and what could be done with them, and really that we need a new system, a new way of looking at health. So we're very much in alignment with that. And what I saw was, yeah, if we can get people to understand just some of the basic foundations of health, such as, you know, try to find the root cause, then we can begin to get people to break out of the paradigm that really kind of has a stranglehold on people. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Just yesterday, I had a
1: discussion with Richard, who founded TED Talks. And just really briefly, healthcare came up, and in a split second, here's a guy who The guy knows a lot, like Mm -hmm. he's a smart dude, right? And so immediately he's like, yeah, healthcare can't be fixed. (laughs) Very interesting comment from him that was just very eye-opening. Yeah, so it'd be very interesting to kind of do a dive into this topic because, like you said, I've looked at it for many years, like how do we quote-unquote fix healthcare? I shared the same idea with Richard, which is I don't think it can be quote-unquote fixed, Mm-hmm. I feel like people can take their part in sort of shifting it a tiny bit, but I actually don't think it can be fully fixed. So.
0: Yeah, and that's this is a conclusion I came to myself in looking at all the different aspects. Just And the reason it can't be fixed for people not familiar is basically there are just too many way too strong reinforcing loops kind of institutions that are in place that have no incentive to fix things. Therefore, it can't really be fixed. What can be done on an individual level is, I term it, opting out of the system, right? And we can basically establish our new system or new way of looking at things because along with that system that can't be fixed, I mean, part of the problem is just the definition of health. We don't really have health care. We have disease care. It's like we're only going to look at you or do anything once you already have problems rather than building a strong foundation so those problems don't even pop up in the first place. And how I look at health, how you look at health is very different than like health. Most people see it as the absence of disease, but that's not a good definition of health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We live in a
1: disease management system, right? Mm -hmm. I would use those exact words carefully because it is about managing. And if you think about it, you know, management, what does that mean? It means, well, let's make sure we always oversee it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the system we're in because it is the most Profitable system for the corporations, right? Mm-hmm. So when people tell me, "Oh, you know, fixing healthcare and all that stuff," my question to that person usually is, "Do you own a 401k?" They're like, "Yeah." I was like, "Well, you're technically contributing to it, right? Because you own stocks of the very corporations that now have a fiduciary responsibility to eat out more profits, and thus and so on and so forth, right?" So right. it's tied into so many things. I will say that before we do a deep dive into root causes and stuff, I recently have come to the conclusion that there is a way to shift it, which is imagine if every listener of this podcast did this when they go to their traditional doctor, because it's kind of hard for most people to just like immediately opt out. Right. I mean, that'd be amazing. Probably not the
0: case. You need a lot of education to be capable of doing that. And you you and I have studied this area for years and years so we can do that. But yeah, the average person it's if you just opt out into nothing, you're kind of leaving a void and that would not be helpful. And so
1: what I recommend doing is, when the doctor gives you a label, also known as a diagnosis, you simply just immediately ask him or her what's the root cause of this? And of course, their answer is gonna be, we don't know. However, if this happens every day for a year, it starts to pull them out of the matrix and they kind of realize, wait a minute, this system that we operate in, that I've been operating potentially for decades, does not find root causes. And therefore, They would go and read the research and figure stuff out. Like you and I, there was no special school we went to that taught us the secrets. Mm -hmm. It's just basically the information is out there and the doctors are not seeking that information because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they're not finding root causes, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a grassroots huge potential to get people to just simply say to their doctor, hey, what's the root cause?
0: Yeah, I think one important distinction there is the difference between root cause and root causes. So part of the reason medicine is the way it is, is the the reductionist science, which is really trying to define like, okay, we have one cause, and it causes one effect. So you have eating, let's say too much fatty food, which means your cholesterol is too high. And we can manage that by giving you a statin. And that's as simple as this works, linear cause and effect. But really with especially lifestyle diseases, I mean, we can say root cause if you have like a Ebola infection, you know, I mean, there's probably even related things there, but we can pretty much pinpoint it on one thing there. But high cholesterol or diabetes. There's a whole bunch of different factors at play here. So yeah, uh, definitely agree with that question. And I want people to understand root cause versus root causes because when we're talking biology, it's very complex systems and very complex feedback loops. So there generally is not going to be a single root cause to any issue that you have. Yeah, definitely. That's a a great distinction and clarification. Yeah, definitely.
1: The question would be root causes. I'm just thinking back to like, you know, 8,000 patients later. Yeah, I don't think there's ever just a root cause. Yeah, definitely. For sure. And it goes deep. You know, a lot of times, like when I went to, I mean, really my doctors in physical therapy, we were under the illusion that we were treating root causes. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, yes, I'm with back pain. The root cause is the tight hamstring, right? But that's really not the root cause because the root cause could be the fact that they behaviorally never stretch and they sit all day. And right and so we were really just ending our search for root cause and causes at purely the static biomechanical reality. Mm-hmm. There's no discussion on behavior and emotion and so many other variables. So, right. yeah, the, the definitely... The true root cause is one I found that it's never where the symptoms are, start with that, and it could be so removed and so hidden that it's it is a little bit more complicated,
0: yeah, absolutely, and how the the environment plays a role into those behaviors and all that, so really, is there ever an actual root cause because the mind likes to divide and make distinctions between things, but we could always go back more and more steps to what caused certain things, but there I think the key point is. You may never get to a root cause necessarily, but if we can find something that's close there, it's at least a key leverage point, whether this is a physical thing, a mental, emotional thing, finding the areas where there's leverage that really is more impactful, that is somewhere at the root, not just at the symptom level. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think the practice of finding root causes, because that's not a thing that's taught, it becomes a not practiced practice, right, and so not many people are really efficient at it. And it does take a lot. Like to give an idea, I've had cases where, give you a great example. So the patient came in really for hip pain, but I asked her about her health, and she was put on high blood pressure meds and a diabetes medication. And it was around the same time. Mm-hmm. So I asked, her, I was like, "Well, what happened around that time in your life?" And so she shared with me six months prior to that, like her husband died. though mm-hmm. so as soon as she thought about it, she started crying which tells me, of course, she has not emotionally processed this. And it's not by accident that she had high blood pressure and diabetes and all this stuff happened six months after this super heightened emotional state that she went into. So one could say, and obviously the doctors didn't ask her this question. So they just put her on the medications for the rest of her life. So on the surface, you could say, oh, so the root cause is her husband dying, right? And that emotional stimulus. But it may not be. Right. It may be how when she was young, I, mean, I didn't go this deep with her, it could be how when she was young, she felt like she needed a male figure in her life to feel secure and she lost that. Who knows? Right? Exactly. And it could be that deep. And so that's really fascinating when you start digging into true root root, root causes. It mm-hmm. is a pretty not practiced thing that
0: no one has really figured out a
1: simple system.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. This brings up another thing so most of medicine is all focused on the physical there is some amount of mental emotion i like to divide it you know everyone's gonna have a different model but physical level energetic model mental emotional levels and spiritual levels and you have a similar sort of distinction And with physical definitely we can go like mechanical chemical all these different areas which it's helpful to do to kind of see these different levels. So most medicine is just focused on that physical level. So hip pain, let's give you some drugs for that or do a surgery, you need a hip replacement. Very few people are looking at, oh, hip pain could be because my husband died, right? Understanding that sometimes a physical symptom does have a physical cause we need to address. But many times there's a mental or emotional cause as well. And there could be causes on multiple levels. So I do feel this is getting away from that reductionism, even just looking on the physical level, but a holistic model, looking for root causes across the different levels. I feel that's very important and also a thing not generally looked for.
1: Yeah, yeah. And in, in this subtle but powerful and important distinction, a lot of times people will say, We treat you holistically. We treat your body, we treat your mind, we treat your spirit. Mm-hmm. In that language pattern, it suggests there are three kinds or three parts of you. Yeah. Well, I clarify because say no. Imagine if you're standing in the middle of the room, and I'm um, looking at you from north, and someone's looking from south, someone's looking from east, someone's looking from the west, and each one of those could be a mind, body, a spirit, or a, a chemical. If you turn any movement you do, we can all see you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in any, if you move your hand up, the mechanical self. Like if I'm only looking at you mechanically, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, I can see the top of your hand and the person from the south can see, well, I can see the body bottom of your hand moved. And so it's very helpful and necessary to look at the human from different frames while we use language to make sure we help everyone understand. It's just looking at you from a different frame. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's different parts of you.
0: Yeah, It's yeah. Subtle, but
1: super powerful because so people are like, oh, I have my mind and my body as if something that can happen to the body doesn't affect the mind. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. All you is one system through the
0: lens of the body, through the lens of the mind, through the lens of spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. It's the difficulty of language, right? So I often see like mind, body, spirit. I'll hyphenate those to imply that it is a system that where all levels affect all levels, but even saying there's levels is, in a sense, separating these things out, which does make this a trickier thing. To do so but even to just recognize those levels in the first place when so many people think like oh it's my health therefore it's a physical thing it's not that simple
1: yeah i find it helpful to first get that frame established it's just different perspectives and then everything after that it's okay if we start to use language that suggests our different parts because we've already established that frame it's like it's just different perspectives right and, and from there for sure Just literally an hour and a half ago, I was working on someone's thoracic spine. You know, there was like a a knot basically. So, I have a knot in there. So, you know, as I'm working on that, because I know from experience this is not just mechanical, I talked about because her language, like, this is draining me. When I drive, it kills me. And so, we had this whole talk on like language and how that's doing, you know, in our lives. And when I got to talks of like her job, keep in mind uh, my pressure, I'm not doing anything different mechanically. All of a sudden she's like, oh my God, the pain's much worse, right? As soon as we talked about her job, like boom, pain heightened, right? And so I was helping her establish like, yeah, it's because how we feel, think the meaning that we're assigning to things directly dictates and controls and influences our health all the way down to like that muscle in her back. Right. right? All, obviously all related. So, yeah, and so that connection isn't really even being conceptualized in mainstream medicine is definitely not being put into practice for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Something just occurred to me when you brought up the thoracic spine, I'm not sure why I made this connection, but I, I do feel it's important is people are predominantly immobile in the thoracic spine coming from like training background in mobility, learning how to move this mid spine. And that's right where the heart is, right? And people are so constricted in this area more so than I'd say generally than any other area of the body. I find that very interesting so I want to steer this a bit so we've talked about the root causes of health and opened up to mean like everything that could possibly go wrong and say there's actually no one single cause and there's we can keep going back so we've made it complex can we simplify like what should people be looking for as far as root causes and one of the things I was looking at, so I was thinking just in terms of the biochemical, right? So nutrients coming in and toxins going out. You have inflow and outflow and very important. And I realized, oh, this is a reductionist thing, but, oh, it can be expanded This the same Inflows and outflows works across the entire system. So we can talk about negative emotions, like getting stressed from work coming in. Is your body properly handling those? So I think there's inflows, outflows, but also like a structurization or a transformation in the body. But really this can be looked at on all the different levels we talked about, even though they're not separate levels. And also kind of fractally, like we can look down to a cellular level or we can look at like a human level. Your yeah, yeah,
1: I thought about this a lot. And so absolutely correct. We made the frame of finding root causes very complex, which from my understanding, it is complex. However, here's the good news. Imagine if we we're a cup, right? And we want the cup to hold 10 ounces of coffee, water, whatever you want to hold, right? And so and somehow throughout our lives, people have been poking or ourselves, something has poked holes in the bottom of the cup and the water's dripping. Mm -hmm. So to find who poked it, how they poked it, what they poked it with, and how to plug those holes can be very complex. Mm -hmm. If we just pour enough water back in through the top, you will still get 10 ounces. And so pouring water in a top is pretty simple. And so if we use that analogy applied to humans, if we just accelerate adaptation and healing fast enough, it doesn't matter if you have certain root causes that you haven't been able to find in place, your body will just adapt that much faster. Right, And so mm-hmm. I feel like finding root cause is complex but unblocking healing is actually much more simple right because we have so much data on this mm-hmm. for example, we know the average American has three to seven hundred industrial chemicals in them so if we pull that out you're definitely gonna heal faster you know 93 percent of people have roundup in their system if we pull and give it the roundup in your body which affects your gut which your gut health, you know, it's much better, which affects so many things downstream, you're right. going to heal faster. Uh, we know most people in America aren't sleeping quite as well as they used to. So improving sleep, you're going to heal faster. And we know most people through the language pattern, it shows like a under so much stress, right? And so if we just gave them some language and even higher level strategies of frames of reality, so they don't live in linear stress, Or some tactical things, just working on their breathing right? to get out of that constant chest breathing uh, fight or flight state, they're going to heal faster. So the beauty of it is um, to enhance adaptation and healing could be a handful of simple things. And just by doing those things, we can accelerate the adaptation
0: so well, like pour enough water, we get the 10 ounces back in the cup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this goes back to what the definition of health. The one I like is the ability to handle stressors. And if you're healthier, you can better handle stressors. If you're not as healthy, you can handle less stressors. And whether this is like chemical stressors, such as glyphosate or stress from your work, stressors really expand across all these different levels as well. So if we can enhance that ability, that is the cool and simplifying part of this It doesn't really matter if you have X, Y, or Z autoimmune condition or diabetes or whatnot. Essentially, the root causes of many of these things does come down to toxicity overload, the inability of the body to process things. And if we can clear that up, As you said, the body has this natural healing capacity that we really don't understand, that we cannot mimic with our best machines or anything like that at this time. The body is able to do that. We just need to get out of the way or get the things out of the way that stop that process from happening. And many of these chronic lifestyle illnesses, which is the biggest thing today, will resolve themselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's a whole different paradigm. We totally
1: scratch disease and labeling people we just go with how do we just accelerate and enhance your body's ability to adapt? It's a much more simple model than the whole disease paradigm, right? So just scratch all that. But like, for sure, if we can just triple, quadruple, even 20% increase in people's ability to adapt, many of the symptoms go away anyway. Mm -hmm. Much better than
0: my model. So reducing toxic load, all the different levels, so whether that's big stressors, chemicals, personal care products are one of the worst things, water supply, all these different aspects, reducing yeah. that. And what are some of the other important elements?
1: Yeah. Healing the gut, 90% of the people, your gut's off, right? And so simple thing like, you know, how'd your poop been in the last 30 days? Has it been same time as a day? good indicator? Solid. <laughs> if it hasn't, then there's something going on with your gut, right? And so mm. And so the healing of the gut, you know, eat fibrous foods, eat fermented foods. Most people, they may want to do something like uh, to minimize the pathogenic bacteria that's currently overgrowing. It mm-hmm. could know, be some, some clovial silver, some oregano oil, standardized carbacol, some stuff. A bunch of herbs can do this and then go into a process of healing the lining And then go into the process of inoculating with healthy bacteria, sort of in that order ideally. Just mindfulness practice is huge. I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, you can like wiggle your finger a hundred times. I've said this a lot in videos. Or you can just focus on breath work, five seconds in, five seconds out, inhale through the abdominal. It's one of my favorite things to do when I'm in like conferences and meetings, just like look at everyone's breathing rate. It's scary. Like Most people are chest breathing at about one and a half to two seconds per breath, Mm -hmm. and there's Right. Correlational, not causational. Correlational studies between respiratory rate being inversely related with longevity, right? mm-hmm. like you know, the rest that we take in, in a minute. The faster you breathe, the less long you live. Right? It's correlation, not causation. Of course. Right. Slow down breath is huge for humans.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I, I just want to point that out to help. Can drive this home so think about the the breath you're getting in is that going deep or is that a shallow breath then that part of that inflow that is part of that healing energy coming in and then breathing out like what is your exchange of oxygen carbon dioxide a bunch of things we can look at but it's, it's that same frame there one thing i definitely want to add to is the importance of getting the right things in so it's not just reducing the toxic load but Getting those right things in, and that is like a mindfulness practice is one element of that. Getting into a state that is much more relaxing than the the average state people go throughout their days. But the nutrients, all the different micronutrients, vitamins, minerals. Which the cool thing about if you're switching towards healthier food, you're generally getting the stuff that you need nutrient-wise, but also detoxing things. So it can have both those effects. It can help with the inflows and the outflows because. Unfortunately, your body cannot heal if there's, let's say, no selenium around. There's going to be problems that come up from that. Yeah, it's interesting when it comes, if we want
1: to go a little bit more detail into nutrients, mm-hmm. everyone we've ever tested with cell, which is like a essentially like a six month average of your vitamins and minerals. Right, by looking inside the cells? Yeah, by looking inside a cell, the T lymphocyte cell. It's just a cell that, it's your immune cell that lives for six months. Everyone we've ever tested has deficiencies. Mm hmm. So just our food supply is just not nearly as nutritious as it once was. I mean, I'm a great example. So I literally eat average 15 servings of fruits and vegetables a day, and I still have deficiencies when I test myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I feel like at this point, my usual recommendations, like, no matter what, take – I mean, if you can't get testing, take, like, a good um daily vitamin. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And good, good is a key point on that
0: because most of the yeah, stuff out the, there is – Yeah, all the branded don't work.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because there's so many brands. My usual recommendation, general, is a good multivitamin is at least four pills per serving. Mm -hmm. And that it 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 can't be well formulated.
0: Right. Yeah. Just the the mass of certain nutrients like magnesium that takes up a lot of space because we need a lot of magnesium. Most people are deficient in that. Yeah. Definitely. I'm I'm with you on
1: that one. Yeah. And just those simple actions that we just talked about can happen. We've seen it have profound effects on people's labels, right? Their, their, symptoms.
0: Yeah. I want to say this just for people that may not be used to this frame of thinking for various reasons. People have certain different symptoms. Like why do these Toxicities and nutrient deficiencies arise as cancer in one person, just chronic pain in another person, diabetes over here, even though it may be the same causes. And this is for a variety of reasons, like genetic differences. I'm not huge on genes, but genes certainly do play a role, all kinds of other things. And recognizing that like mental or emotional trauma corresponds to certain areas of the body. So yeah, problem you had as a kid could manifest into one of these things, which is something some people are looking into, but is not very well understood as well. So this is a key point to understand that all these root causes, just the basics of health and healing, just manifests differently based on a variety of factors. Yeah. That just,
1: we could do a whole another podcast on that. There's all kinds of research now on what we'll call heightened emotional experiences as a child turning on specific genes epigenetically mm-hmm. has, yeah, effects. I just look at it as those are like different holes in the bottom of the cup. Right. And we just talking about in the last 10 minutes, it's just how to just pour more water in. Like ignore yeah. all the holes in the bottom.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I want to say this is fun to think about too, just the, I was talking about this inflow and outflow thing and transformation, uh, even down to a genetic level, because we know with epigenetics, things are turned on and off. Although we may not be changing the genes themselves, unless you have a mutation because of radioactivity or whatnot, the epigenetics is those on-off switches, which is the same format of what we're talking about. So I thought that was really cool to see. Yeah, it's very interesting Back when I was
1: in high school, right, and even in in college, like, is it nature versus nurture, right? Is right. it are we born with these genes? Is that dictating our health, or is it nature? Now we know nature affects nurture, right? In other words, yeah. the environment in our causal <laughs> loop, it, it actually is now able to switch on and off the genes in anyway. So, in a way, if you look at it, it's mostly nature, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly our thoughts, emotions, foods, environment, all that stuff,
0: right. Okay, I want to switch gears right now, and we can definitely come back to this topic, but I want to really dive that: what is the future of healthcare, the future of medicine? Where are we going with this stuff? Because we've established the healthcare system is broken. It's not going to be fixed, although there may be some leverage points and different things that can be done within that. There's going to be something new, quite different coming in the future. What does that look like?
1: Sure, yeah, so we could definitely talk about that. So within the system, there's all kinds of technology That is going to make the current system better and That's those would be like genetic editing They're gonna be like, I mean, depending on how much future you want to go and you like Nanorobots in our body killing cancer cells for us to a new class of drugs that actually treat aging versus a very specific label. These are all things that are being worked on. So I call all those things within the system to make the system more effective. It's still essentially managing disease better, right? right. There's a whole another paradigm, which is something I feel like I'm working on, which is how do we bypass the system, right? Mm-hmm. How do we have people heal so well that most of the times, unless from some type of trauma happening to the body, that you never really even go into the system. And so this would be getting people to take on some of the behaviors and actions that we talked about. It's changing their work environment. So it's actually promoting health versus illness and disease, right? Because of the inactivity. It's having at the workplace, instead of just a wellness program, it's actually having things that accelerate healing in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're having the behavior in place, the environment is pro-health, and then there's um, we'll call it technologies to speed up healing. If those things were in place, most people would not need to ever go into the system.
0: Right. Okay. A lot of things there. And I, I want to explore this topic. So, so much of health, what I've recognized is our technology is kind of leading us astray in many ways. And I'm reminded of the Einstein quote you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking. That created it so I, I'm curious with the first part you were talking about there within the same system just having better and better technologies is that really going to solve the problems in your opinion no. yeah
1: so those are essentially to put it very bluntly there will be yet more profitable ways to manage the disease right, right. More advanced mm-hmm. science and also more profitable way to manage disease and a great example of this is the first case when they use CRISPR, like genetic editing, to resolve a cancer, right? So how they justify the cost, which I believe was four hundred seventy thousand dollars for the treatment? Yeah. They said, well, the cancer chemo and all that stuff typically would have cost six hundred thousand. So we're charging four hundred seventy thousand dollars for this treatment. Mm-hmm. Right? That's again, it's it's still way, a, way too uh, expensive. <laughs> right? And so obviously, you know, not the masses can go and get a four hundred seventy thousand dollar treatment. And so I am not a fan, which is why I, you know, start off with uh, like, I feel like Richard was so quick and like, it can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of truth to that. It's because these advancements are basically breaking Einstein's rule. They're still in the same paradigm, making the paradigm better.
0: Well, if you think you have a shaky foundation in the first place, just based off of what we now know is some false assumptions, then it doesn't matter where you kind of go with these things because it, it can't be real or truthful or really can't get to the causes if you're never even looking at causes in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like the, whatever is the opposite of the things is
1: actually another thing that Richard said just came in my mind. So I mean, smart guy. So if you're like, if you're really good at black, you might want to consider practicing white. Right? Mm. You know, it's that duality, right? And so yeah. if you think about it, if we become essentially very good at disease management, the opposite of that is disease prevention, right? Like healing. Yeah. I feel like this is where the goal is at. how do we get that much better at healing and focus on healing adaptation. So we never get to the other end of the spectrum, which is disease.
0: Yeah. And also it's, Especially CRISPR, right? Genetic engineering. We do not understand the thing. The GMO mosquitoes that they released recently that were supposed to self-terminate and they did not do so. It's like, oh, we got it wrong. And what are the ramifications of doing such a thing? You can look at some of the genetic engineering where they forget the exact details, but they tweaked some sort of genes or the DNA for a pig for some sort of reason, and it grew like an extra vertebrae. Like we do not understand this stuff we're playing with, and that scares me. Yes. Yeah. There will be all kinds of those effects for mm-hmm. a yeah. yeah. That's going to be a wrap for this episode. It's me here, Logan Christopher, along with Dr. Steve Young, talking about the root causes of health and disease. Next week, we'll be back with Steve to discuss the future of medicine. How do you take all this crazy stuff about cause, and where are we going in the future with our technology and how that relates to health? Very exciting episode, so stay tuned. One other thing to keep in mind is if you really want to support your health, get those nutrients in, but also things that help support detox systems that are there in your body. Then be sure to check out lostempireherbs.com. We have some amazing stuff that can help support your health, your healing, your performance over there. So be sure to patronize. That's what makes this podcast possible. And if you're loving this podcast, once again, Love to hear those reviews from you. Send me an email at logan at com or leave a review on iTunes. The more we do this, the more we spread this message of health sovereignty out to a whole bunch of other people. So be sure to recommend the podcast to your family and friends as well. Thank you much. And once again, we'll be back with the future of medicine next week. This is the
1: podcastfactory.com.